Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Ugh. Good morning. It's David Sampson. Welcome to Nothing Personal. It's Thursday, October 12th, 2023, and ugh is our word of the day. Because that is the word that was heard all throughout the offices and hallways of Major League Baseball last night. A collective, one more time, ugh. The playoffs this year, as a baseball fan, I'm in. I have loved the postseason so far. There have been four sweeps out of four rounds in the wild card round, all two zero sweeps. In the division series, you got four series, a possibility of having 20 games. Five games per series times four is 20. Two of the series ended in six games total out of 11. There were sweeps. The Rangers swept the Orioles, and last night, the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers. One of the series ended in four games out of a possible five. That is the Astros beating the Twins three to one. So you've had 10 games out of a possible 15 in this round so far. MLB is less than happy when teams they don't want to advance, advance. But what makes it even worse if those teams advance without playing maximum number of games. The Diamondbacks-Dodgers series from this year, which is now over, and it may have happened while you were sleeping, so good morning, the Los Angeles Dodgers are out of the playoffs. After winning 211 games in the last two years, they have one win to show for it. They beat the Padres once out of four games last year in the division series, come back this year ready to go with two of the top four MVP players, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, where we told you if the Diamondbacks can just shut down one of those two guys, the Diamondbacks will win the series. It didn't occur to me they'd shut them both out. One total hit between the two of them and an infield hit nonetheless by Freddie Freeman. The worst starting pitching in history We can barely remember when Kershaw only got an out in the first inning, giving up six runs, got pulled. The second game, Bobby Miller made it not to the third inning. He didn't even get out of the second inning. Last night was an amazing start for their pitcher, Lance Lynn. He actually made it over two innings. Scoreless game going into the third inning in Arizona. Everyone excited It's 95 degrees with 600% dry humidity. It's dry heat. Don't worry. It's easy. Roof open. Beautiful. Fans excited. 
and we saw history. And if you wonder why I like baseball and why I like sports and why I like history, I love the idea that there's always a chance that you will see something at the ballpark that you've never seen. Except 99% of the time, you look and say, oh my God, that's never happened before. But it has. I would have a running joke with our head of communications, PJ. Something would happen during a game and I'd call him up and he'd see my phone ring and it'd be a special ring. Like, uh, uh, uh. hey, PJ, obviously what we just did, that's never happened in franchise history. Let's promote that. And then he'd text me back. Yep, happened in 1996, whatever the case may be. And certainly around baseball, it's the same thing. You have it's so much history, over 100 years of history. So in the third inning last night, there's a home run hit. There's a home run hit. There's a home run hit. Three solo home runs. I'm watching and I'm thinking that's a lot of solo home runs in an inning because the third solo home run of the inning or the fourth, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the fourth. So three solo home runs happen and all of a sudden home run right field, four solo home runs. And then it was ruled foul. There's a very simple adage in baseball. When you hit an almost home run that goes foul, you generally strike out, maybe weakly ground out. But in fact, the pitch after the challenge was made and it was shown that the home run was not a home run, it was a foul ball, when you expect him to strike out in the third inning, what happened? Their catcher hit a home run. Four solo home runs in a half inning in front of a frenzied crowd. And I was thinking, that's what an inning but I didn't occur to me that that was history. That had never happened in the history of baseball, ever. There had never been four solo home runs in a postseason game, ever. There had never been four home runs in the same inning in a postseason game. I wouldn't have believed that. So the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the history books in the bottom of the third inning for hitting four home runs in the same inning, taking a 4 nothing lead against a team that won 100 games 16 games better than the, the Diamondbacks in the regular season, already facing elimination and now down four runs. With Lance Lynn out of the game and a tired bullpen and offense that can't score four runs, they hadn't scored that many the whole series. So what happened to when hours and 20 minutes later is the Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers. I'm watching, thinking about my old friend, Andrew Friedman, the president of baseball operations for the Dodgers thinking about what's going on in his head and what needs to happen during this offseason, if anything. And it got me to the debate about this team. Are there folks who think that the Dodgers are a failure, that the Dodgers need to make a managerial change? People called for the end of Don Mattingly during his run with the Dodgers. People called for the end of Dave Roberts. They've been saying, get rid of him, get rid of him. That's not what Andrew Friedman's gonna do. The Dodgers have a very analytically based mindset on and off the field. You can't win a World Series if you don't make the playoffs. Their view is the Braves view from the 90s. Win the division, make the playoffs every year. The World Series is a crapshoot. Sometimes you're gonna make it, sometimes you're not. Later, when we talk about the Astros, we're going to point out why that is complete poppycock, but I understand their view. But I'm also coming from the standpoint of the Marlins, where we won two World Series, 
and didn't make the playoffs any other year. And I'd still rather be me than any other person having nothing to do with baseball, by the way, but in a baseball standpoint, I'd rather have two rings than the Dodgers who have the one COVID ring during their entire run that they've been on like an 11 year run of amazing success, winning the division every year, except for when they lost by one game to the giants, even though they won 106 games, but they've had no postseason success other than they lost the world series in 17 to the Astros and you can garbage can it all you want. They won the World Series in the COVID-shortened season. You could put an asterisk all you want. The reality is that Andrew Friedman looks at his team and he says, what happened during this small sample size and four games is a small sample size. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman had four bad games during the course of this season. Mookie Betts was asked after the game what his reaction was to not just the game, but also the format. Listen to what he said. Super frustrating. Um, there is no real, no real words for it. Um, they played better. You know, we didn't do much. I, I can't speak for all of us, but I know for sure I, I did absolutely nothing to to help us win. And, I mean, there's no, there's no real words for it, words for it. Mookie, Dodgers are out, Orioles are out, Braves are on the brink, three of the top four seeds. Is there a flaw in this new baseball format? Uh, no comment. Oh, Mookie. GMAB. Don't do a no comment there. You know the debate that's gone on over the rest and whether or not division winners have a disadvantage. The Diamondbacks were playing meaningful games all through September, and they came in H-O-Triple-T, and you were sitting there for five days. Don't do a no comment because your comment is speaking volumes. Why don't you say it had nothing to do with having five days off? I wasn't rusty. I've been in the big leagues. I'm getting paid a tremendous amount of money. I stayed sharp and strong. Guess what? What happened is baseball. That's what happened. I had a bad four game series against the Diamondbacks. That's it. I'm proud of our guys. I'm proud of our team. I'm proud of our organization. The, the fact that we are given the resources to be put in position to win every single year. I love our fans who come out every game to support us. And we're going to go home and we're going to lick our wounds and we'll be ready for spring training to put ourselves back in this position next year. My name is Mookie Betts and I approve this message. No comment. There are certain times you should do a no comment. Like when you're in the clubhouse after the Bryce Harper got doubled off in what was an amazing end to that game. As you remember game two in the Braves Philly series, when Michael Harris made that crazy catch against the wall. If you don't remember the play, go watch it. And then doubled Harper off first base on an amazing Derek Jeter like play by Austin Riley, backing up the play, throwing him out. After that game, there was quite a bit of excitement in the clubhouse. And their short, the brave shortstop, Orlando Arcia, was overheard sort of cackling is what they're calling it. I, I don't know what a cackle is. People say I cackle sometimes. Like, ah. it sounds like more of an evil laugh. I don't know what a cackle is. Cackling in the locker room saying, ha ha, attaboy, Harper. And somehow that's become the biggest story of the Braves Phillies series, a series where the Phillies clubbed the Braves last night. Six home runs in a typical Citizens Bank game where it's a bandbox and you're never out of the game, except 
in this case, it's Philly who hit all the home runs, absolutely crushed the Braves, sending the Braves to the brink of elimination, as that reporter properly said to Mookie Betts. And the story coming out of the game should be Bryce Harper hits two home runs, Nick Castellanos hits two home runs, first pair of teammates to hit two home runs in quite a long time in a playoff series. I think the Dodgers once did it with A.J. Pollock and Chris Taylor, but it does not happen often. The Phillies, with their stated objective of getting back to the World Series and winning it this time, having won the pennant last year and lost to the Astros last year. The Braves, with the best record in baseball, with the 1927 Yankees offense, down 2-1, having lost 10-2. That's a great story. Bryce Harper hits a home run yesterday, and then a second, and rounding the bases, he stares at Arcia, the shortstop. And it became a mem. It became a huge thing on the internet and social media, like Bryce Harper doing an F you. I loved it. You guys, you all know me. I've been very, very hard on Bryce Harper for his choice of agents, for the fact that the Nationals won a World Series as soon as he left, for the fact that Harper's never been able to win the World Series, never been able to get the ring. Last year, I started a Mia Culpa where I told you that he has matured, he has become a leader, and he has become a centerpiece of a really good team, embraced a city, absolutely grown up. And when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'm still wrong. Bryce Harper on Philadelphia is exactly the type of player you want on your team. He has grown into that. Much like A.J. Burnett grew into that type of teammate with Pittsburgh, after being with the Marlins, it is possible that people mature. One of the things I did wrong as a team president is I would look at 22-year-old kids and I would think they had to act like 32-year-old adults. And sometimes you forget how young they are. And then you look at your own kids when you're that age, you say, oh, I sort of understand why they didn't go to bed on time last night. But my presidential head was, you're getting paid to do a job, do your job. And I forget what the pull is when you're young young, dumb, and full of money. Bryce Harper is now middle-aged from an athletic standpoint. From where I'm sitting, he's a tiny kid with a pacifier. And he's leading his team. He's leading his city. And the Phillies have a great fan base. I happen to not have fond feelings for them, having been in the NL East my entire career and knowing some of the things they've yelled at me. But that said, I love their passion. So it creates this amazing off-the-field story between Harper and Arcia. And then after the game last night, Harper actually says, yeah, I was staring at him. And Arcia, through his translator, says, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't even know what's going on here. Didn't mean to make anything out of it. Which left Travis Darno to discuss what happened. And it is worth mentioning to you so you can make your own judgment about this story and what bulletin board material is and what the role of the media is as it relates to getting you as fans information. Let's hear Travis Darno. The clubhouse is a sanctuary and, and I think when things like that get out, it, it doesn't make people want to talk to the media at all. Um, it, it affects the people who have been great to us all year and it is what it is. So what he's doing there is calling out someone in the national media because his words were chosen carefully, Travis Darnow, catcher for the Braves, when he said it hurts the people who have been with us all year. 
because what it does is the players get together and say, listen, when the media comes in, everyone stays quiet. And that does hurt the people who have been with them all year, the people who have promoted them all year. And that indicated to me, I'm no sleuth, but it indicated to me that it was someone else. And it reminded me of rules that we would have inside the clubhouse. Very simple. When a game ends, the clubhouse is closed. There's a big sign on the door of the clubhouse, no media allowed. The rules say that you have 10 minutes after the last pitch to do whatever you want in your clubhouse. And after that, you have to open it up to the media. And once inside the clubhouse, there are areas where the media can go and areas where the media cannot go. They're allowed to go into the main area of the clubhouse. They can't go into the kitchen. They can't go into the dining room, the training room, the coach's area, or the manager's office. There is a spot for them in the main clubhouse and they can mull around and try to go to your locker and wait for you and talk to you. And the rule is simple. When the clubhouse is open to the media, you are on the record. Travis Darno is no rookie. He knows very well that there's nothing. Oh, that's off the record. That's off the cuff. If you walk around naked, you're going to be seen naked. If you walk around swearing, you're going to be seen swearing. If you take a bat and hit a TV because you're frustrated, it's going to be reported. We would tell our guys that if you want to hurt property or yell at a teammate or yell at me, no problem. You've got 10 minutes to do it. Or we can go back to the training room, pretend we're lifting weights or going on the bike, and you can yell. But that said, if you yell loudly enough and it's heard by the media, whether it's muffled screams or they can actually hear what you're yelling, that is open season. That can be reported. For Travis Darno to be surprised that any sort of Michael Jordan-like bulletin board material is not going to be pushed out into the media ether, he's silly. And Bryce Harper's no rookie. Bryce Harper, like Jordan in The Last Dance, looks for whatever bulletin board material he can find, whatever motivation he can find. Is it overblown? Yeah. Does Harper know that the other team in the other clubhouse was going to say, aha, Harper, you're the best player. You made a mistake. We're going to talk about it. Of course they know that. I think this is much ado about nothing, except the Braves are annoyed because it's like they tickled the bear. But the reality is the only bear that needs tickling is their own offense. The Braves offense has disappeared and it can happen over a four-game series. That's the vagary. Well, it's been four games, but it's a five-game series, but the first four games. Those are the vagaries of the playoffs. I don't want to hear an excuse either from the Braves, the Dodgers, Orioles, Twins. Doesn't matter. You lost. It happens. MLB is not sitting around trying to figure out how to change the format. There is no way to change the format. We've discussed this on Nothing Personal. MLB's sitting around saying, I can't believe the Dodgers couldn't win a damn game. I cannot believe that the Braves-Phillies is not going to go five. It better go five. And then they said, how about the Astros-Twins? We got to get the Astros out of there. And out of there they are. The Houston Astros won the series last night. They swept Minnesota in Minnesota two games, and all the excitement of the Twins beating the Astros once in Houston, thinking, hey, 
This is different. This is a different Twins team. Oh, before I get to the game, Coca. For all the people who are new to nothing personal, and as of last week, I think it was 4.9% of you. Thank you. Each week, keep that going. Compounding is a pretty amazing thing in podcasting. I do this without a script. I do this without, I have a rundown in front of me and Coca in my ear. I make mistakes. And when I make a mistake, I want to hear about it. And you did. You sent me a correction. I said the Twins had not hosted a game in this year's playoffs prior to the first game they hosted against Houston two days ago. I have no idea why I said that. The Twins hosted two games in the wild card round and swept them. So there you go. I was wrong. So the Twins are playing and it's exciting. People are cheering. It's cold. It's October weather. And the Astros are just about business because the Astros are in the business of winning. Winning time is not just for the Lakers. It's for the Astros too. This is a dynasty. And I've told you it's dynasty from the minute this season started to the minute I predicted what would happen this season and to the minute I predicted what would happen this postseason. Until you beat them, they are unbeatable. As they try to defend their World Series title as the reigning World Series champions. You can't do it unless you get there. You can't do it unless you get to the LCS first. And for the seventh straight year, the Houston Astros are going to the league championship series. Baseball did not get a game five. The Astros were not going to allow a game five back in Houston. They wanted a game one in Houston of the LCS. They knew the Rangers had already clinched. They could not have their pitching backwards going against a Rangers offense with the Rangers pitching being forwards. They had to win last night. And to me, it was never a doubt. It was a close game, a nail biter where the Astros bullpen, you're going to watch them in the LCS, their lights out. You can't believe that Presley is their closer, has the worst stuff out of all of the relievers leading up to him, but he just doesn't get hit during the postseason. Their lineup has no breaks. You start with Altuve, then go to Bregman, then go to Alvarez, who may be the best hitter in baseball right now, and you can back it up with Kyle Tucker, and then you have Jose Abreu, who is a power hitter all of a sudden, hitting home runs left, right, and center, including last night again. And you haven't even gotten to the World Series MVP from last year, Jeremy Pena. It's too good. I'll tell you, Dusty Baker was asked after the game about playing the Texas Rangers, and he talked about Bruce Bochy, the manager of the Rangers, and Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros. There's going to be a lot of talk when we preview the American League Championship Series, which we'll do tomorrow. Game one is on Sunday. It's an all-Texas League Championship Series. These managers are old school, old style. But what they've done is they've adjusted to the new school. They've done what Tony La Russa couldn't do. They've been able to appreciate what players are like now, appreciate what they can bring to their teams as people who have been managing for decades. It is going to be an epic championship series. Baseball says, ugh, why? Because it's all Texas. That is not ideal from a TV standpoint. There is concern about ratings when they get released. There's concern about how long series will go. But for people who like drama and baseball or sports, this Rangers-Astros series, it'll be something. So I say goodbye to the Twins. 
I say goodbye to the Orioles. I say goodbye to the Dodgers. And I say to you that we've got three wait to sees that all came true in the last two days. I hope you made your series picks based on my series picks because I told you the Diamondbacks were going to beat the Dodgers. That's a yes. I told you the Astros were going to beat the Twins. That's a yes. And I told you the Rangers were going to beat the Orioles. That's a yes. Could I go four for four? I'm going to need a small two-game winning streak by the Braves starting tonight. And if that happens, it will be a clean sweep for me. But either way, I'm batting 750 as we head into the LCS. Not too shabby. Okay. I got to get to this review, Coco, because I can't wait to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about the Yankees. The Yankees are back in the news. If you're not in New York and you didn't read about Hal Steinbrenner and Randy Levine yesterday, I'm going to tell you why uh, Randy Levine, who was the president of the Yankees, and Hal Steinbrenner, the owner of the Yankees, uh, Randy went a, a bridge too far yesterday out of his frustration and anger about his Yankee season. And he sullied my former team, the Marlins. And as much as I would have loved that had Jeter still been there, I don't love it now. And I'll explain exactly what he did and why what he said is absolute horse hockey. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. I'm here with Matt Coca every day, 8 a.m., 8 to 8.45, live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Go to our website, please, davidsampsonpodcast.com. I'm getting to as many of the emails as, as I can that you send or DMs that you send. There's also great merch. We are a couple weeks away from unveiling our third new themed T-shirt. Right now, you've got a wait to see shirt and you've got a horse hockey shirt, as well as nothing personal logoed stuff. Please enjoy it, buy it, and then send pictures of yourself wearing it. Spread the word about our show, rate, review, subscribe. We're growing and we love that you're a part of it. So I watch a movie every day, no matter what, even when games end at 12.30, I find time. I turned on Netflix and I saw a Wes Anderson movie. And I said, wow, this is crazy. I didn't know Wes Anderson. I just saw Asteroid City. What could he have done? And it was called The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. And it had Benedict Cumberbatch in it. And it had Ben Kingsley in it. And Ray Fiennes. And I'm thinking, I've never heard of this movie. And that sounds a lot like the Roald Dahl book. What's going on? And then on Netflix, it gives running times in the title card. And it said 39 minutes. And I said to myself, is this a preview? What am I, what, what's happening? And I don't look at reviews. I don't look at anything, but I said, I'm going to watch this. So I watched a short film called The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which I'm going to review in one minute. Because once that was done, I then saw in What's Up Next, or here, if you like this, watch this, something called Poison another Wes Anderson directed movie that was only 17 minutes. 
what what am I missing? So I violated my rule. Before watching Poison, another doll adaptation directed and written by Wes Anderson, I went to the Google and I couldn't believe it. No one had told me about this. All of my great sleuths out there and spies who tell me what to watch and what's going on, we all miss this. Wes Anderson has released four short films, a 39er and then three 17ers. Basically in 90 minutes, you can have four short movies all by Wes Anderson, all adapted doll stories. They're unbelievable. If you've never watched a Wes Anderson movie, I told you to watch Asteroid City, Grand Budapest Hotel, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. He's an acquired taste that you will acquire if you will take a minute to taste. But the short story, Poison, I wanna start with. Benedict Cumberbatch, who maybe you only know as a superhero now. I know him imitation game and as a serious actor. I like him in the superhero movies. I think he's Dr. Strangelove and it's fine. I'm interested. I don't necessarily buy him as a superhero, but don't care. He's sort of a more, you know, English actor with gravitas. Poison is a short story where there's a man who can't move because he's going to be eaten by a snake. And it's the story of someone and it, Dev Patel is in it, the guy from, uh, What's the movie directed by Danny Boyle? And it took place in India, Coca. Please help me. I can't believe it's one of my favorite movies. And I'm completely blanking. It had to do with the game show. This is not happening to me. I'm stopping the show until you tell me what it is. Slumdog Millionaire. Whew. I need to take a minute. You can wipe this break. I need one minute, okay? 10 seconds. Five seconds. Here we go. 4869. Also starring in Poison is an actor, Dev Patel, who you obviously remember from Slumdog Millionaire. And it is this story about how to get someone not to move when if they move, they're going to die. And it is done in the quirky Wes Anderson way. And the end of the story is quite fascinating. But the number one of these four short stories was the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Henry Sugar is played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And it's the story of a really rich guy who doesn't have a great life. And he's trying to figure it out. And he gets wind of a guy named Ben Kingsley, played by Ben Kingsley, who writes a book about how you can see with no eyes. And Henry Sugar thinks that's absurd. You can't see with no eyes. He goes to visit Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley tells him, Here's the trick to seeing with no eyes. It's a trick. The trick is you need to spend months, years, decades imagining things, clearing your mind, imagining only what's in front of you. And if you do that, you can see with no eyes. And Henry Sugar says, here's an idea. I'll do it because I'm a gambler and I want to win money. And then he wins all this money and he realizes, what's he doing? He's got this gift of life and he's wasting it on blackjack. 39 minutes of perfection. If you want to see this movie and you do not take 89 minutes, you're making a mistake. If you don't like Wes Anderson and you won't take 89 minutes, you're making a mistake. If you don't like Ben Kingsley, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Ray Fiennes, please trust me, watch all four of these short stories. It's 90 total minutes. It's one movie. 
it will open a world of both Dahl as a great children's storyteller and Wes Anderson as one of the top filmmakers of our time. I don't know how I possibly, possibly missed this, but I got it now. So here we are as we approach the Lee Championship Series. We did a segment, I don't know what it was, a week ago, Coco, where we talked about the Yankees and how they were going to hire an outside company to tell them what's going on. And we wondered how that's possible and what that means. And then it turned out it wasn't true. And we wanted the Yankees to be out of the news because they've disappeared. But they got right back in the news yesterday. Hal Steinbrenner had an org meeting. This is not newsworthy. We all do org we all do org meetings after every season, whether you win the World Series or lose 120 games. After this, after your season ends, your owner gets together with your team president, your president of baseball operations, and a lot of your baseball people. You bring in your head of player development, your head of scouting. You bring in your some of your trusted advisors, whether they're pro scouts or assistant to the general managers or assistant to the owners or presidents. We would have Andre Dawson and Tony Perez and Jack McKeon and Jeff Conine after he retired. We'd bring in heads of each of the departments. And we did org meetings where we would go through the entire organization on the baseball side. Here's what went right. Here's what went wrong. And here's what we're going to do differently. And go. The end of the org meeting is always a one, two, three, Brett. One, two, three, Brett. You put your hand in and you get excited for spring training. You say you're not going to watch the rest of the playoffs and you move on. Because spring training is in four short months. So Hal Steinbrenner was giving a speech on a panel. It was a Sportico panel. And he was asked about his season and about the meetings. And he told us that he had a meeting that was very serious. He told everyone, you've got to check your egos at the door. We're going to have a serious meeting where we're going to critique the job that you do. I have no idea why Hal Steinbrenner was answering a question like that. These meetings, it's not that you sit around and critique your people. You talk to your people. You question your people. You don't say, hey, how can we sign this guy and he stinks? Hey, tell me about this guy and why his arm fell off. You sit and collaborate on the decisions that you as an owner or president were a part of and approved. And you don't sell out your baseball people during org meetings. That's not how to motivate them, get them going. When you're trying to build your team, you have to motivate your team. So he says, I think at times it got a little dicey, but it was respectful the entire time. There wasn't one stone we left unturned from health of the team, what we're doing in the clubhouse, clubhouse culture, the weight room, analytics, pro scouting, biomechanics. Do we communicate enough? It was a great three days. And all I kept thinking of is God, the Yankees are in trouble because that's not even what you should be telling your public. That's really nice that you went into all those things and it's accurate because that's what you do during org meetings is you talk about the departments, you talk about budgets, what's needed, what's not needed, what we can do better. All of it makes perfect sense. But that's not what Yankee fans wanna hear. They wanna hear that the owner of the team, Hal Steinbrenner said, you know what, I'm channeling my inner George. 
it is not acceptable that we have not been to the World Series since 09. Not making the playoffs this year, it's got to stop. We're making changes. Even if you don't know what changes you're making, you have to come out with all bluster in front of your fan base and just say, we're on this. We've got this. But instead, the Yankees gave all the bluster to Randy Levine, the team president. Randy Levine at this same conference, he decided this would be his opportunity to manifest what has been going on in his mind for decades, because he's been around. When I was let go by the Marlins, I was the second longest tenured president in all of baseball. Who was the first? Randy Levine. He's been there a very long time, and he's been there in the six years I've been gone. So he's six years ahead of everybody else, more. He came out and said something that I need to explain to you why it's so ridiculous. Randy Levine called out the Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays, quote, for receiving revenue sharing from large market teams while failing to boost attendance. A lot more focus has to be on individual teams to do better and not just rely on revenue sharing. You can't have two Florida teams averaging 15,000 fans. Randy, I would like to quickly do a revenue sharing explainer to you. Revenue sharing is when you take the pot of all revenue from all teams. It goes all into one big pot. Then there's a percentage of that pot that gets split among teams in the lower half. Then there's a percentage of that pot that gets split for teams that don't violate certain rules in arbitration, in amateur draft signing, in payroll. And there's an amount of money that's funded by teams who pay too much money to their team and get taxed extra. You put all these things into a pot, it comes out with a formula, and the Sneetches say that you, the Yankees, owe X dollars. Do you think that if the bottom revenue teams had more revenue, that means that you'd pay fewer revenue sharing dollars? No. What it means is you'd pay revenue sharing dollars the same, but to different teams in different order in a different cut. The argument that the Rays and Marlins at the bottom, and I would argue they could be at the bottom, Oakland could be right be there with them, Kansas City, Cleveland, whatever the case, whoever it is. The Oakland A's, if they move to Vegas, will still be getting revenue sharing. Tell that to your relocation committee. Tell them that you don't want to give Oakland or Las Vegas revenue sharing money. And I'll say to you the same thing I'm saying to you now. You're going to be giving it to someone. When teams try to increase their revenue and lower their revenue sharing, it doesn't take it away. It redistributes it. You are impugning the Florida teams with your anger to Bud Selig for even expanding into Florida, thinking they are a drag on you when really what you meant to say at that panel is it really pisses you off when teams who get revenue sharing kick your ass. And how do I know this? Because I spoke to you during the 2003 World Series when we beat you. And I'm not making this about Randy Levine. I'm making this about big market teams who get angry when small market teams win because they're angry that small market teams or small revenue teams can be smarter. The Tampa Bay Rays are smarter than the Yankees. They always have been.
the front office of the Rays is better than your front office in New York. Always has been. When you've got the net that you give your general manager, the Yankees have the net of a high payroll. They make more mistakes. When you have a smaller payroll, you cannot make mistakes. Why do you have a payroll the size you have? Because you feel you have to? Because you feel it gives you the best chance to win? I think it's we've proven. As much as we want to argue with the union, which we do, that payrolls are required for winning. And the union wants that to be the case too. And we want owners to think it. The truth is what wins in baseball is intelligence. It's making the decisions earlier rather than later. It's cutting your losses earlier rather than later. It's putting yourself in a position where you're not sucking on the teat of bad contracts later in players' careers when they have zero chance of outperforming their contract. Zero chance. You have enough players not outperforming their contracts, you will not win. MLB looks at these comments by Randy Levine and they're panicked. The reason why there's an economic reform committee, the reason why Rob Manford is so concerned about the next collective bargaining agreement is he's got owners who are fighting with each other. And Randy Levine manifested this distaste in an old, boring, tired way. Do you think that the Marlins and the Rays want 15,000 people? You think that they don't try? You think that we don't spend money on marketing in our areas? You think that we don't spend money trying to figure out how to get more people? We simply don't have the Yes Network. We don't have the corporate sales base that you have in New York. We don't have JP Morgan Chase saying, hey, we'll give you 20 million to be a pillar partner. Don't have it because it's New York. It made me crazy as a team president in Montreal and in Miami when I would hear a word coming out of the Yankees about how angry they were at low payroll, low revenue, small market teams. You're right, we just sit around doing nothing. We just take revenue sharing money. That's all we do. We don't even have a staff. It's just me actually. That's the only person who ever worked for the Marlins. I just sat in my office, twiddled my thumbs. Hey, hey Beth, did the money come in from the Yankees yet? All right, check again tomorrow. We're waiting for Yankees money. It's absurd. I have a way to be happier if you're the Yankees. Start winning. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are 144 and 145. We had the Astros over the Twins, that one. We had the Braves over the Phillies, that lost. Then, out of nowhere, I told you there'd be a run in the first inning of the, Ast of the Phillies-Braves game. There were 12 runs scored, six home runs by the Philadelphia Phillies, and the score at the end of one inning, a glazed versus a sprinkled. Donuts. So we lost that bet too. We are 144 and 145. We are going into a night tonight where the Braves and Phillies were supposed to play at six o'clock. Coca, can you help me here? Is it confirmed that the Braves-Phillies game four is at 8.07? and not 607. I want to talk about this because it was going to be at 607 when there was going to be a Dodger game four. But when the Dodgers Diamondback series ended, they moved the Braves game from 607 to 807. The reason they did that is that's what TBS wanted. TBS is the broadcast network for it. That's Warner Brothers Discovery. They want to be in prime time. 
both on the East and West Coast. So you move it to eight o'clock, five o'clock versus six o'clock, three o'clock. However, there's an NFL game tonight. The good news is the NFL game is on Amazon. So MLB and TBS look at that and say, hey, no problem. We're okay to go head to head with that. They're not gonna draw the usual 27 million. They're gonna get only 11 million. So we feel it's way better for us if we're in prime time. I thought we'd have a bit of an early night, but instead we have an 807 game, Braves, Phillies. And guess who's gonna win? Guess who's favored? You'd think that the Phillies have to be favored in Citizens Bank Field, Citizens Bank Park, Citizens Bank. I'm completely blanking about Citizens Bank. CBP, CBF? God, my brain is having a moment. What do we got, Coca? What is it called? Citizens Bank Park. It's gotta be Park. You would think that they'd be favorite. The Braves are huge favorites because they've got their ace. It's a rematch of game one, Spencer Strider against Ranger Suarez. The same Suarez who Rob Thompson pulled out in the fourth inning from game one against Strider who got touched up, nicked a little bit, but he's the strikeout king and he's quite happy to be pitching in Philadelphia. If you're Philadelphia, you're not happy because you're not hitting six home runs off Spencer Strider. The reason the Braves are favored is the Braves are still the better team and I picked them to win the series. And to win the series, they have to win game four. So under all scenarios, I was going to pick the Braves tonight because MLB needs a game five desperately. If the Phillies win tonight, there's another two days off. Friday, Saturday, because the championship series doesn't start till Sunday. You don't want two days off again. It'll be the second two-day quiet period of this short playoffs, which just started on October 3rd. It's only nine days old, and there'd be four days off in the first 11 days. Not good. The Braves will win tonight. That is a lock, a mortal lock. I'm not going to really watch the Broncos, I don't think, against the Chiefs because I'm going to watch the baseball game. But of course, I'll go back and forth. I may do a double screener. The reason I'm fascinated in this game is that I'm not going to be suckered into taking the Chiefs and giving 10 and a half points, and I can't stand the Broncos. I think Sean Payton's done. I think Russell Wilson's done. I think their team is an absolute disaster. But the Chiefs, the kneeling Chiefs, the I don't want to cover Chiefs, the we don't cover at home Chiefs, the we never lose Chiefs, I swallowed hard and took the Broncos plus 10 and a half. In case you're going to watch the football game and the baseball game, which I'm probably going to do, I admit it. I'm doing Braves. I'm doing Broncos. All right, what do we get to now? Ah, we got, whoa, it's 45, Coca. Yes, it is. We got to talk about the NBA. I'm going to save that for tomorrow, I guess. We have a story about the NBA that will be fresh tomorrow because it's not about a event that you're even thinking about. It's a load management story. I'm going to tease it for you right now to tell you that the NBA is absolutely desperate for you all to watch players 82 games. Desperate. Until then, enjoy your day. Enjoy the games. It's just business. This has been nothing personal. 